guys. Well, you may be seated. We are in week three of a series that we've been in for here a couple weekends now. And this is a series that's really hitting a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Next month, some of you know, Jackie and I are going to celebrate 20 years together, or 27 years, <laughs> 27 years together. And, um, and we've just seen in our, in our marriage, in our lifetime so far, just even being in ministry, just seeing so many people who hope for a lifelong love, but continue to make decisions that undermine their relationship. And it breaks our heart. And we hate to see couples break up and, and see the great destruction that happens when, when, when lifelong love goes sideways. And the deal is we were, we're all made for relationships. We are all made for relationships. And, and the marital relationship, that two, two people coming together, it's a beautiful thing that God created from the beginning, really, of Scripture. We see this beautiful, beautiful thing we call marriage. And, and I want everyone, and we've been saying this through the whole series, right? We want everyone to experience that lifelong love for as long as you get, right? That lifelong love that has lots of fun dates, and we want to try to avoid as many heartaches as possible. And that's, I think, what we all deep, deeply want for that lifelong love. And now, if you haven't been here for every week, I'll just kind of give you a quick recap. In week one, we tried to kind of debunk some popular myths when it comes to finding a lifelong love and dating and relationships. And that first myth was finding the right, remember, person. The right person. Right, if I just find that right person, my soulmate, my soulmate, if I just find that right person, everything's going to be just perfect. I'll, I'll meet them, and we're going to have this great, you know, relationship, and all my bad habits are going to just blow away, and everything's going to be fine. We're just going to be, we're going to have this marriage going to last, and then we'll both, you know, kiss each other goodnight on our final night, and we'll all, we'll just die together. This is a myth, folks, and you've seen it. You know this to be true. You've seen it enough in relationships. You don't have to think too far back to know you've seen couples do this. They get all excited at the beginning. Oh, they're infatuated with each other, and there's smiles and giggles, and they're doughy-eyed at each other, and then a conflict comes, and then all of a sudden they're having problems, and then they've got to break up. And now we've got to find the next right person. And it goes on and on and on. It's a myth, folks. The right person isn't going to make you right. And the second myth we debunked was the, the right promise. That somehow by, by planning a wedding and, and we're going to sign that contract and we're going to say those vows, we're going to put a ring on, then we're going to have a big party, a ring, a vow, and a party, and everything's going to be great. We're going to get married, and then we, 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 because we've made that commitment, it's just going to be, it's going to be a beautiful thing. And those who are married, been here married a while, are rolling their eyes right now because you realize it's not that easy. That building a lifelong love takes a lot more than just making a promise on one day and having a party. It takes so much more than that to have a lifelong love. That's what we talked about in week one. Last week, we were looking at some fine print. Some fine print that will make you fine. And we were, we were looking at how the Apostle Paul, which was an early follower of Jesus, and he wrote a good portion of the New Testament section of what we call the Bible, he wrote in, in one of his letters, kind of trying to unpack what Jesus' main commandment was that he gave to his disciples, and of course down the, ro down the road to us, is that we're, we're to love one another as, as Jesus said, I loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus gave that game-changing statement, and so we were unpacking that a little bit last week, and we talked about love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, is not boastful or proud, and love 
is honorable. We talked about that last week, and we've been asking this question, right, the whole time. Are you becoming the person that you are looking for is looking for? You say that again, it's up on screen. Are you becoming the person that the person you are looking for is looking for? Is it too often? I think people are trying to find the right person all the time instead of becoming the right person. You see the difference there? Always looking for that other external person instead of becoming the right person. Are you becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? And if you're married in this room, are you becoming the spouse that the spouse that you're married to was hoping for? Are you becoming that spouse? And we said last time, too, that, that saying I do and just making a commitment is no guarantee of a lifelong love. You've seen that already in your lives. You've seen people where their marriages unravel. It's not going to guarantee you. Just saying a vow and having a party doesn't do it for you. Because, you know, look, if you, if you say I do, and some of you are not married yet, but when you do that, you're making a commitment. When you decide, young people in this room, this is the person that I'm going to be you know, married to, I'm going to be a spouse to, well, when you said I do, that made you accountable. But it didn't make you capable. And we know this to be true. If you're accountable, but you ain't capable, you're what? Miserable. And you've seen, you've seen relationships like that. I know you have. <laughs> That's why following Jesus is the big game changer here. Because in Christ, only in Christ, by the power of his Holy Spirit, he helps make you capable of that kind of lifelong love. I do doesn't make you capable. And we've been saying, too, yeah, look, following Jesus not just makes you better. Following Jesus makes you better at life. And that includes relationships. And we're going to take a big clue from that today. See, when Jesus came on the scene so many years ago, he could have called people to do a number of things, you know. Buy my book, you know. Uh, you know, come to my service. What did he say? He said, look, pray to me. He didn't actually ask them to pray to him. Or, or, or negotiate with him. What did he call people to do? Come follow me. That's what he asked. Come follow me. Learn my way of life. Learn the way that you can be fully, truly human. To love like he loved. And he gave his disciples one game-changing commandment. I love this about Jesus. He, he just tended to kind of boil it down for us. You know, so often we need that. Sometimes we just want to know the bottom line. Would you get to the point, right? We want that. And Jesus, during his last final times with his disciples, kind of they're having a meal together, and, and he's kind of giving them some final instructions, and he gave them the one game-changing command. He said in John 15, 12, love one another. Now, he could have stopped right there, right? Just love one another, and then the disciples would be like, well, that's... Okay, that seems kind of general, kind of basic. Okay, we'll try to love one another. Good thought, Jesus. We'll put that on the back burner, put that on the t-shirt. Love one another. Sounds great. But he didn't end there, did he? He said, love one another as I have loved you. Now, again, when he said that, you know, they're having dinner there, and they might have thought, well, that, okay, it's a little fuller explanation, but we're still not totally, we don't really understand the full weight of that. But thanks, Jesus. Again, you know, you're, you're a very wise guy. Uh, but a couple days later, they knew exactly what he meant. Love one another as I have loved you. And I can just imagine they were all sitting around going, oh, that's, that's what he meant. 
Love one another as I have loved you. And even then, you know, after the early church got started and, and some of those early followers of Jesus, those early leaders were, were kind of trying to unpack for, the, for the, this new church uh, how, to, how to live the ways of Jesus in a pagan culture. It's so different from our culture, isn't it? But learning how to live the ways of Jesus in a, in a pagan culture that may, may be opposed sometimes to biblical values. So the, the, the Apostle Paul, who was one of the early followers, he wrote a lot of letters in, in, this, uh, in this collection that we call the Bible. Some people say the Bible, that's great. Bible just means book. But actually, the Bible is actually a, a library, if you will, 66 books worth, and many of them are letters. Paul wrote one of the early letters to some friends, a church in Corinth. And he wrote to them, and what he was trying to do was unpack a little bit more for us everyday people what it means to love one another as I have loved you. And we already know if you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard some of this chapter. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We call it the love chapter. Okay, some of you are still sleeping. That's okay. I'm going to keep talking louder. The love chapter, right? You've heard some of this stuff. And so Paul, in that, begins to unpack what it's like to, to, to live out love one another as I have loved you. And let me just pause for a second. If you're a young person in this room, I realize sometimes, you know, you come to the sermons here and you listen to me blab on. Some of you young people are like, ah, I don't know. I mean, he's not really addressing me. Look, I am addressing you right now. What we're going to talk about today is it, it could be a real game changer for you way before that day you decide to get married. You're at home. You're, you're, you're living with mom and dad or whatever your living situation. You've got siblings. Maybe you don't. But you're at home. That is the perfect safe place to practice exactly becoming the person that the person you're looking for down the road is going to be looking for. You see, this is, that's the safest place to practice, you know, putting one another above yourself. You know, it's not just dad and mom, you know, or, you know, or, or, or my siblings. You actually have a chance to put someone else in front of yourself. Can you imagine in your families, young people, if you took the posture of everybody else in your family was like a celebrity VIP? Now, I know that that's not easy, but what you're doing is you're preparing yourself for a lifelong love because when you get married, that's all going to matter. Trust me, it matters. When you put someone else in front of your own, that, that's a game changer for marriage. I can't, even, I can't even begin. Some of you married people, can I get an amen on that? Some of married people, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a game changer. So at home, you can prepare, you can actually practice these things. Practice being patient. Practice being kind. Can you imagine siblings? Some of your parents are there like, eh, I don't know. Can you imagine siblings being nice to each other? Look, I get it. I grew up with like four other brothers, you know, and I, I took those road trips where we made the imaginary line on the seat, so you cannot come any farther. I get that. I get that. But imagine siblings putting the other person first. That is a game changer. You think, well, that's, that's boring. I don't want to do that right now. Look, look. Married people in this room can, can testify. These are things that matter when you say, I do. They will help you have a lifelong love. You can learn to honor your siblings, honor your father and mother. It matters because you're walking in the ways of the kingdom that really, really matter when you say, I do. Here's, here's the truth bomb, folks. Love is a decision. It's always been a decision. Love is not this feeling you get like a cold coming in and goes. Love has and always been a decision. And we learned from Paul, as we looked at last week, and we're going to look at a little bit more this week in, in chapter 13 of, of 1 Corinthians, some great concepts. But one of the biggest concepts is treat other people like they're celebrity VIPs. That is a decision that you make. 
Love is a decision. Look, you're not choosing to, to, to make them a celebrity because they're necessarily better than you. You know, we, we get that kind of sideways. We're not treating other people because they're better than us. In fact, I think if they're not deserving of your honor, that's even better. Now you're acting like God treats us, right? We don't deserve it. So when we actually, you know, some people, well, I'll, I'll honor them if they're honorable. Nuh-uh. You honor, you choose to honor. Love is a decision. You choose to honor them. Why? Not because they're better, because that's the way of Jesus. And I'm not saying it's easy. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we treat others better than ourselves. This is a supernatural, amazing love, and it's some of the keys to having a, life, a lifelong love. And we've, we've, we've said this over and over again, that uh, love is, is a decision, and we do it not because the other person deserves it. We do it because that is the Jesus way. So today, we're going to wrap this whole series up talking about the perfect relationship. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We recognize that you're in charge, and we're not. We're so thankful for that. This is your kingdom. We're trying to follow you, follow the ways of your son, Jesus. Father, empower us by your Holy Spirit to hear what you need us to hear today and change us like, like, like nothing else can do, Father, that we would leave this place changed and operating in that lifelong love that you lay out for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 13. If you have a Bible or device, find that. 1 Corinthians 13, it's part of the New Testament. And uh, we're just looking at a couple of verses. We're gonna, t- we're gonna pick up where we, where we left off last week, which was the end of, of verse 5, and we're going to carry that a few more verses um, today. So find that. We're going to, again, be in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, starting with, with the end of verse 5. Let me, let me read that down. Here we go. Love. Now we're talking about love, right? We're continuing on. It does not insist on its own way. In other words, it's not self-seeking. It is not irritable that is easily angered, or resentful, literally keeping a record of wrongs. Verse 6, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, that is evil, but rejoices with the truth. So let's, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. So let's talk about the first one. Love is not self-seeking. In other words, love isn't selfish, insisting its way all the time. Love isn't selfish. I mean, it'd be great. I mean, I, if love was, that would solve all of our relational problems, wouldn't it? You know, work, home, siblings, whatever, you know, because we're, we're put, you know, we're not being selfish, you know. We, uh, we, we could tailor ourselves to someone else's needs. I mean, that would be great. I mean, that'd be like a game changer. Genius. Great. We could all do that. I mean, it'd be kind of awkward, you know, if you're trying to, you know, two of you are trying to get into a door, and you're like, well, you first. No, no, you first. No, you first. At some point, someone's got to go in the door, so how about you go first? No, you go first. You hang up first. No, no, you hang, you. Treating other people with no selfishness. That would be a pretty big game changer. And here's the, here's the, here's the test for you. If some of you that are dating or hoping to date again, or maybe you're back on the dating scene, or you're, you're, you're not quite ready for dating, but you're thinking about it, Here's something, and this is, this is something that I, boy, if I would have, if I could have had this wisdom in all these years, I would have loved to have been able to offer this. Look, and this is something that's easy to remember. If you're in a relationship or you're dating or whatever, and you find that you keep giving and giving and giving, and the person you're in a relationship with keeps taking, 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 you know what it's time to do? Run, run, run. You see what I'm saying? 
Let me run that again. Nobody, nobody was taking notes. I don't know why the, the, the wisdom, the nuggets coming out of my mouth right now. If, if, if you're in a relationship and, and you're giving, 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 and the other person is just taking, 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 what do we do? Run, run, run. You see, that's why this is a game changer before you say I do. Right? I heard someone say once, a great thing to do for, for couples who are dating, we're trying to figure this out, actually do a service project together. You know, go serve at the Union Gospel Mission or do something where, you know, you might have to get some, some dander up. You might have to kind of see how the other person is working in kind of a difficult situation. Serve together, even a serving team here in our church family. Okay, use that if you want. That's a great way to find out. But look, if, if, if you're giving, 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 they're taking, take, you run, run, run. But here's the deal. If, if, if you give and then they're also giving, now that's something. Now, now, we might, now we might have something, right? Now we could, we could play with that. That could, be, that could be a game changer. Love, here's the next one. Love is not easily angered or irritable. Love is not easily angered or irritable. Check yourself on this one. Where's your fuse? Would you consider you have a short fuse? I saw some short fuses here. Uh, don't point the other person at the door. That's, that'd be rude. Where's your anger? Love isn't, isn't easily angered or irritable. Now, the, the term that Paul uses here is actually kind of a cooking term in the Greek language. It's this idea of kind of uh, like, a, like a pot sort of being kind of stirred up. And it's starting to get to boiling. Some of you that are, that are cooks in here know what I'm talking about. Kind of this breaking point where if you don't catch it right away, it's going to start going all over. It starts you know, hurting others out around you. That's the idea. Paul gets this kind of cooking term to say, love isn't like that. Love isn't right on that edge where everything hits the red. That, that is not, that's the, not the love that, that provides a lifelong love. Love does not get ticked off easily. Love can actually listen. Love can absorb and not respond all the time. Love does not have to reflect everything that's coming at it. And you've known some people in your life. Maybe you, you've been that person where, you know, things get heated and you just keep going back and forth. You get easily angered, then you kind of hurt them, they hurt you, and you get in this weird cycle where nobody's getting off and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Does that ever go better? Is that ever a good thing? At some point, someone has to stop that crazy cycle. But we do this over and over again. That is not love. Love is not easily angered. It's not easily ticked off. Love doesn't have to react. It can respond in a healthy way. Love remembers that you may not know the other person's story. Now, this is true in business. This is true in home stuff. This is true in relationships. How often do we find ourselves in a conflict and we're just considering what's in our head? We're not even thinking about what's going on in someone else's head. You know, I read a whole uh, a book uh, by the Harbinger Institute a few years ago that talked about this idea of Learning someone else's story. In fact, recently there's been uh, kind of a, 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 a pretty big you know, person that's been talking about this idea, Brene Brown. And she's got a TED Talk that's really popular. But she talks about this idea of what's the story that you're telling yourself. You know, when you're in a conflict or whatever, things are getting heated, you start to tell these stories. You have this like internal dialogue. And oftentimes it's absolutely wrong. But that's what we're, that's what we're re- reacting to. We're reacting to the story that we have without realizing that love understands that the other person might have a story. Love can say, all right, what's really going on here? 
right? Love can pause. It can not react right away. It doesn't have to, to reflect back whatever it's getting. Do you understand that? So maybe sometimes we can look at love and say, pause. What's the story going on? What's the real story? You know? What's really going on? Love, love remembers that everyone's behavior makes perfect sense to them. But you may not know what's going on in their story, right? Does that make sense? So love, love isn't easily angered. Look, if you find yourself in that place of easily angered, that's on you. People say this all the time. You made me angry. That is false. Now, people can do stuff that prick your anger. They can step on your body. They can push your nerves. But you know what? It's on you how you react. Do you know this? Can we just say this as adults in this room? We need to grow up on this one. Nobody makes you get angry. You make yourself angry. Now, I realize, I get it. Some people are really good at stepping on your nerves. I get that. But you are the one that decides how you react, right? Nobody makes you angry. They can set the stage for you to get angry, but nobody's making you angry. You've got to own that. No one's ever made anybody angry. They might have brought it out in you, but they didn't make you angry. You have the choice. Love is not easily angered, and love doesn't have to reflect back everything it gets. That right there could be the game changer for a lot of you right there. That love can absorb. It doesn't have to respond. Now, you can't absorb forever. I get that. And you can't always just put things under the rug. But sometimes to break that crazy cycle we get into, someone has to be the, the, take the higher road and say, can we just pause for a second? What's really going on? You know, a lot of times you get into an argument, and the other person may not even care that much. Like, it could be a level one for them. But the other person, this could be like a game-changing level eight. And sometimes they don't tell each other how important this particular issue is. A lot of conflict could probably resolve by saying, let's pause. <laughs> how important is this issue to you? Okay, well, we can move forward there. I'll give that one to you. Can't we do that sometimes? Okay, that decision, whatever. Love is not easily angered. Here's the next one. Love, and this, this, could, be, this could be the one for you. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Think about your life, the relationships you've been in, maybe some of your own marriages married in here. Love keeps no record of wrongs. This may be the hardest one for many of us. What this means is love doesn't keep a big file cabinet of all the things you've done wrong. So that the next conflict comes up and what does that record keeper do? Well, hold on a second. Let me get back here. I remember a couple years. You see what I'm saying? I'm being silly. Love doesn't keep a file cabinet of all the wrongs, and then whenever there's a problem, it's going to vomit it right back up on you. Do you know that, that that can kill a relationship? And that can kill a marriage? I don't know how you live like that. Now, what I find is really interesting about the record keepers, keeping records, and you may be that person, and you might send me an email, but listen to me, just hang on. You got that file cabinet back here. And what I find interesting is that Great record keepers have all kinds of wrongs on you. But, but theirs, they don't have much in there, like the stuff they've done wrong. How is it that the great record keepers that are keeping tabs on you, theirs is pretty empty? Huh, how's that, how's that working out? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Let me ask you this question. 
I know this is a hard question. Do you enjoy catching your spouse doing something wrong? Do you enjoy it? I hope not. Look, if that's your posture, stop it. We can't live like that. Now, there are things to deal with, and we'll talk about that. But I don't know anybody that wants to live with the record keepers. I don't know how you do that. That's pretty rough. Every, every conflict, I'm dealing with something five years old. Can you live like that? Love keeps no record. And here's why. Okay, so you're saying, okay, you're just pulling that out of the air. Does God do that for you? Think about that. Is that how God does it for you? Now, I realize some, some in our culture, you know, maybe that have walked away from religion, walked away from Christianity, oh, institutional, nothing like that. You know, I get that the, sometimes they'll say, you know, God's just up there and he's, he's trying to kill all of our fun. And he's just waiting for us to screw up. That is not the God that I see in Scripture at all. I see God that actually does not treat us as our sins deserve. And I'm not saying that's easy at all. But God does not treat us that way. Our model is the love of our Heavenly Father displayed in Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Who's a great record keeper in here? If anybody's a great record keeper, it should be God. And yet, how does he choose to reach out to us? The scriptures tell us it's his kindness that drew us. He has the best record keeping in the world. And yet, Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. In, ever, in other words, they're, they're forgotten and we move forward. Look, holding all this file cabinet, this record of wrongs in relationships, in our marriages, it creates a power play. It creates a power play because what you can do now is you can pull that thing out and you're going to hold it over their head. And I don't think we can live like that. Again, where do I get that? God doesn't do that for us. Now realize we're not God in relationships. Only God is God. But he's modeling something for us from the Heavenly Father of keeping no record of wrong. Now there could be things that need to be dealt with. I get that. But if our posture is always taking the power play and throwing that back in someone's face every single time, that is not love. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And Jesus modeled for that, that for us in, in Philippians too. It's another, another I, I love the Apostle Paul. He kind of breaks it down for us. We've been in 1 Corinthians. Now this is Philippians. I get that. Philippians 2. If you've never read Philippians 2, this is an amazing statement about the humility of Jesus who being God took the took the form of a servant, made himself nothing, emptied himself to show us that humility and forgiveness are the ways of Jesus. Those are the ways of the kingdom. Here's the last one. Whew. Love doesn't delight in evil or wrongdoing. Love doesn't delight in evil or wrongdoing. The scriptures tell us it rejoices with the truth. It always protects and here's where that comes down to the rubber meets the road. Love doesn't smuggle in destructive things into a relationship. Love doesn't smuggle in habits, ways of being 
that undermine your marriage. In other words, if there's things in the dark that you're not exposing to light, it's time to grow up. I know that's heavy, but you undermine your relation, you you undermine that lifelong love that you're aiming for if you're bringing in a gambling addiction, a porn addiction. Whatever it is, that is really kind of hurting your relationship with the Lord, but it's going to really hurt your, your spouse or your future spouse. Love doesn't delight in evil. In other, what love does is love trusts and it hopes and it perseveres. Love chooses to celebrate the good and celebrate the healthy. And love chooses to bring light and healing to dark places that are sin and destruction. Let me just pause for a second. If you're someone that maybe I just, what I just said was, was resonating with you, and you, you, you need to, you and the Lord need to do some business. What have you smuggled in or are planning to smuggle in to your relationship or your marriage or you're actually harboring right now in a marriage that you need to bring light to? I know that's not easy. It takes courage. But you need people in your life that you can tell everything to and you can begin to pursue healing, bring light to areas that are undermining your marriage, undermining your relationships. Does that make sense? For you young people in here, oh my gosh. This is your opportunity to develop healthy habits, healthy boundaries. Oh, many of us in this room, young people, Look back on our lives and wish we would have done that at 15 and 12 and 10, right? Can I get a witness in here? You have this opportunity, young people, not to, do, not to develop those habits that hurt and undermine your marriage. Because when you're in a marriage, it gets way more destructive. Some of you know that right now. So listen, love does not delight in evil. We need to bring light and healing to root out sin and destruction. I know that was heavy. Well, let's, uh, let's land this plane and do a quick recap. And I want to show you this, right? This is the slide of all of them. Here we go. Love is patient. It's not pushy. You know, love is, is kind. It chooses to put the other person first. Love is not proud. Love can let someone else take the spotlight. Love is honorable. It treats people like celebrity VIPs, right? Love is unselfish. Love isn't easily angered keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, what we just talked about. Who's got all this nailed down? (laughs) Okay, that's brave. I don't. I'm raising my hand, but that's just... that We might look at this list and think, oh, man, you know. Some of us married in this room are like, oh, I have so many things that me and the Lord need to work on, And, and rightly so, but here's what's great. You have the Lord. The Holy Spirit is willing and able to, again, make you capable of this lifelong love. If you see any up, up here, we, who are Christ followers, need to get on our knees and thank Jesus. Now, Romans, here again, I'm quoting Paul again. One more time, I promise, last one. But Paul wrote another letter to his friends in Rome. And in chapter 7, he talks about the struggle that we have to, 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 fight, to fit this profile into how we live. And it's, very, it's, it's tough. The, the bar is set high. You know, in our culture, we're always lowering the bar. Jesus sets the bar high. 
And he, he said, it's the, the Holy Spirit empowers us to, to fit this love profile more and more into our lives. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says, I struggle with this, but thanks be to Jesus. His grace and his mercy, he paid for it all on the cross. And now by the Holy Spirit, he's empowering us to fit our life and our lifelong love into this profile right here. Jesus and following him is the key to it all. If you want that perfect relationship, it can only happen. Of course, there's no perfect relationships. But only Jesus can begin to perfect this love in you, in me, so that our marriages are healthy for, for, the, for the long haul. One of the scriptures says that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Jesus was working on us by the Holy Spirit, and he will complete that, that good work. Now, here's how I'm, I'm ending today. Paul gets to verse 11 here in chapter 13, and, uh, and he, he gently, using his Paul ways, helps cap this whole thing off. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, listen to this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a what? Man. I gave up childish ways. This is Paul's gentle reminder to us that love isn't a Hallmark special. Love isn't that gushy song on the radio. Love is a decision. Paul wants us to grow up and see a lifelong love in light of this profile. Does that make sense? This is the key to a lifelong love. Basically, he's asking us to, to stop being immature when, we, when it comes to love and relationships and marriage. Stop being immature. Let's resolve together today. You and I, all of us in this room, resolve together today that that we're going to do the work. Partnering with the Holy Spirit, we're going to do the work of becoming the person that the person we're looking for is looking for. And if we're married in this room, we're becoming the spouse that the spouse that we married was looking for. We resolve to do the work and resolve to not be immature anymore. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father, you want this lifelong love for all of us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts right here, Father. And even as we leave this place and go into our week and we go home, that, Father, we would take these ideas, this profile of love, modeled by your son Jesus, that we would love one another as you have loved us. And that's the key to, to that lifelong love. So, Father, empower us for that as we, as we continue. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple next steps for you as we're ending this series. Uh, if you've not done the couples checkup, like a little assessment tool. It doesn't take you very long. It takes like 20 minutes. Who's done it in here? You don't, not a shame thing. Okay, so there's a lot of us haven't done it yet. Uh, so if you're in a, a relationship, you're in a marriage, especially, uh, I encourage you to, to take advantage of this tool. A couple in our, in our, in our church family uh, bought this for us, so it's no charge for you. All you have to do is log in, and then you and your spouse fill it out separately. It's like 20 minutes. And then you get like a little report that just kind of says, here, here's some things you might think about, uh, some things you might want to talk about in your relationship. And this is just a health checkup. So I encourage you to do that. It should be on our app. You should have got an email about that three or four weeks ago. Uh, if you need that, you reach out to, to us and we can get you that. But we only have till the end of February. So not to put the pressure on you, but I'm putting the pressure on you. So that's happening. We also have something 
that will help you develop healthy friendships, especially friendships with other people who are married. We have small groups going on, and we just kind of relaunched that season of small groups. If you're not part of that, uh, it's worth your time. Jesus does some of his best work in a small group. I wouldn't even be in ministry had it not been for a small group back in Tennessee. And those are places where you develop relationships, you eat together, you have coffee together. These are so crucial to walking the ways of Jesus. These groups are going, there's a group wall over there. In, in, in addition to that, we also have great teams. And teams are a great way, serving teams are a great way to not only get to know who you're dating, but also to work together as a couple, uh, also to help our church family. We have lots of things that we could use your help on, uh, use your gifts, and so we have teams that that kind of helps. And uh, I just want to encourage you for, for some of those things because we do a series like this and it's like, okay, you know, be well and warm fed. We, we need to, to take this to a next level. So again, if you need to reach out to me, reach out to our, us, us on Facebook, uh, direct message, whatever you need to do. If you're dealing with an addiction, some things that you need some help on, please don't just, I think the Holy Spirit's speaking to you there. And, and don't, don't ignore that. If you've never decided to follow Jesus, you can do that today too. Uh, following Jesus, as we've said, not only makes you better, makes you better at life. Following Jesus is the game changer. That's the way that we become the people that the people we're looking for, looking for. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, so, yeah, don't, don't let that go today without doing something about it. We're going to switch gears now. Every, we do every Sunday. We come back to ground zero, ground zero, we call it. We come to the foot of the cross, and we have uh, uh, what we call the communion or the Lord's Supper, and, and we have some bread. You dip it in the juice. It reminds us of his broken body and blood that was shed for us. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I encourage you as a band plays, come forward and do that. There's also, this is very important too, there's some places for you to extend worship through giving. Generosity is what is part of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, to walk the way of Jesus. So there's an area there so you, you could be generous there too and with your tithes and offerings. So let me pray that uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get going. Father, uh, as we Remember what you did for us on the cross uh, through your son, Jesus. Uh, Lord, not only help us remember, but help us to continually praise you for your love and forgiveness displayed on that cross. And we do that now in Jesus' name.